and was only suitable for people aged 18 or over will almost certainly have an adult theme and might well contain sex or violence which are quite graphic. It may also contain explicit language, including sexual swear words. Thanks for listening. Uh, but here's what his revelation comes to him. He's kind of got all this stuff, like, uh, touching, wiping, mourning of the animals. Not wiping, whipping. whipping. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, not touch, also not touching. I am, I am dyslexic. I, I hope I'm not having like, a stroke. Do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! And an atheist almost always becomes supporters of eugenics and abortion. A swine is hungry for nuts. Jesus hates him too. Satan is real. Being a Satanist is an open declaration of revolt against counterproductive received wisdom and mindless rogue traditions. Decapitate her head off. We're done. Done. We're done. Obama! Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Wednesday, April 12th. This is episode 152, a continuation. Yes. It is our deep dive into Steve Bannon, part dose. Which which Steve Bannon, as of today, is still sitting with uh, Trump at his side. Yep, which is strange. So since we recorded last week, uh, the following day, of course, the Trump administration launched 59 missiles into Syrian sovereign territory. Yes. Uh, on their airfield. Well, they, did, they, they didn't hit the airfield, no. actually. And they said like, they, they didn't, didn't hit want the, the airstrip. It's like, okay, you want to prevent Syrian forces from, and Russian forces, from launching their aircrafts to go bomb uh, the rebels in the area. Why didn't you destroy the fucking runway? Yeah. Well, and then they, then they said, well, it's because, you know, you can repair the runway pretty easily. And no, you really no, can't. It, they, they it takes been, a lot of time yeah. and energy and money in order to repair yeah. a runway that is fucking pockmarked to hell. Yeah. And they wouldn't have been taking off from that runway the next morning to go bomb more civilians. Exactly. Yeah, because they were. That's yeah. what they were doing is taking off the very next fucking day. It's basically as a giant, fuck you, you did nothing to this base. Apparently we wiped out 20 of their... Jets. Probably already which, disabled aircraft. They couldn't get out of the hangars. Which Mattis decided to call 20% of the Syrian Air Force and then later had to say, well, that wasn't entirely accurate. Yeah. Um, you know, we were, we were going on our best information at the time. And I'm like, how is it that we would not know exactly how many planes the Syrian Air Force has? Yeah. You, you would think before, especially before we go and bomb them, we've got good intel on what's there that we're bombing in the first place. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like you you would think aircraft, that the United States fuel, munitions, knows personnel. exactly the number of Russian oh, yeah. airplanes that Syria has in its fleet. Yeah. But maybe not, I guess. I don't like maybe I'm giving the administration too much credit. And yet we don't yell at Russia on this whole thing. Because Russia provides Syria with their aircrafts, with their naval fleet, with mm -hmm. their munitions, mm -hmm. with all their shit. So I don't want to start a conspiracy theory going on here, but I'm pretty sure Russia gave them the fucking sarin gas to drop on their own civilians in the first place. That's a possibility. And Russia is supposed to be in the country to prevent Syria from having more and are supposed to be destro destroying Syria's stockpile of those weapons, which isn't fucking happening. Well, and today Russia vetoed the vote to have Syria uh, yeah, cooperate a... with UN yeah. inspectors. Yeah. So... Or UN investigators uh, investigating the whole 
idea well, of whether or not the Syrian government used sarin gas against yeah. its own people. Well, if you notice, three, two or three days after we bombed Syria, they went and destroyed the area that they had gassed. Syria bombed the area again and destroyed the the buildings, the hospitals. Trying to wipe out the evidence. Pretty much, yeah, destroying all the evidence of what had happened. If they could find any containers of sarin gas or whatever, it's all destroyed. They went and blew the whole fucking place up. Mm-hmm. So a lot, a lot of whole, a lot of whole, a lot of a whole lot of shit, whole lot of heinous fuckery. Yeah, is um, that what you were trying to say? It is what I was trying. Oh, wow, to say. I was guessing, and I didn't come anywhere near that. So we've we've been in the studio for. An hour before we actually started recording the show, because we were recording other stuff and and kind of and having giggles. I was fucking around and, and giggling, but I've also had a bit to drink, so I may stumble a bit more oh. as we <laughs> as we progress through the rest of the show. Undoubtedly, sir. Yes, I'm sure it will happen. Uh, what else has happened recently? Fucking Charlie Murphy died today. Yeah. Oh, big news there. Yeah. I was. That's. What? I was sad. Yeah. Yeah, but. And uh, I like Charlie Murphy. I watched some Chappelle's show reruns, of True Hollywood Stories with Charlie Murphy and Rick James. Yeah. That was that was funny. I mean, I like Charlie more than Eddie in recent years because Eddie really hasn't been doing a whole lot of great material. No, he's made some really terrible movies. Yeah. And other than that, not I mean, he used to make lot. some good movies that were funny, but he's gone, he's kind of gone downhill. And I, I would love to see him get back to stand up. Yeah. I think maybe that's what he needs for a revival for himself is to. Well, we talked about his stand up a couple of weeks ago, right? And yeah. said that if we were to watch like Raw and Delirious now, mm-hmm. there are a whole like, lot of things in there that we'd be like, oh, oh, I remember when I initially watched this and thought that was funny as hell, and now it's making me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, comedy as a whole has shifted. Oh, yeah. Anyway, and so yeah. I don't know if he'd even know what to do. I mean, he could do his old acts, but, I mean, he'd get... No, he'd have to do something new. He'd have to find a modern Yeah, I don't know if... Yeah, act. I, I don't know. But he's got enough money, he doesn't have to do it anyways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Nabirov. I mean, what does he? What would he even do for for an act now? Uh rawr. Raw. <laughs> He's gonna be a dinosaur. Yeah. Rawr. No, not raw. Like like Eddie Murphy. Raw. Like rawr. Oh, okay. Right. Sure. <laughs> Delirious. Or just raw meat. <laughs> um. Before we dive into the second part of the band and stuff. There are a couple corrections that we need to make. One that has been outstanding for quite some time, and I have just, I keep forgetting to mention it, but several episodes ago, we were talking about uh, a person in the Trump administration. I believe it was the attorney or someone within the administration who got rid of the acting attorney general or the uh, the guy that got picked up for the New York state job now. Uh no, I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, the guy's name, I pronounced it as Don McGon. Which is funny. Because that's how it's, well, and it's, that's how it's spelled. It's D-O-N-M-C-G-A-H-N. McGon. Yeah. Don McGon. If he had a TV show, it'd be Don McGon, the gong show. But apparently everybody actually pronounces it Don McGann, which. Well, they're stupid. I mean, that's like pronouncing. Boehner's name the way that they pronounce it. <laughs> Not at all how it's spelled. Yeah, yeah. But apparently well, they, they like that pronunciation more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is that last week we talked about psychographics. 
And we were wrong. So, <laughs> so I, I spoke with Alexander after the, after he listened to last week's episode and he was, he was very kind. He said, Hey man, I love the show. It was great. You guys did a good job, but and they're, they're, you know, they're, when you hear the word, but you're like, Oh, great. What did we fuck up? <laughs> and apparently what I fucked up big time is what psychographics actually is or means. So last week, you know, I ran with the assumption that psychographics was like, I think I said something about a, you know, a big truck and a screaming angle overlay with American yeah, flag. Yeah, like, like the subliminal messaging some kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, play, playing into jingoism and whatever. Psychological. For Trump's side, sure. Graphics. Yeah, that's that's what I thought yeah, it was. Yeah. And I was very wrong. And he was very kind, and he's like, so there's no way for me to say this without <laughs> sounding like a dick. <laughs> And I'm like, okay. And he's like, so just keep that in mind. Like, I'm not trying to be a dick, but there's really like, I don't know how to ask this question without sounding like a giant dick. He said, but when you guys were talking about psych- psychographics, were you trying to be funny? <laughs> because we were, we got it very wrong and it wasn't clear whether we were trying to be funny or not. Or Is English wrong. your first language? And yeah, that's exactly what I thought about when he, when he said that. I'm like, that's like when I ask people if English is their first language. It's, you know, it's, there's no real easy way to say that without sounding like a total dick. But so he, he corrected my understanding of what psychographics is. Well, at least on the phone call, he told me what it is. And I'm like, that's great. Yeah, I can see that I got that totally wrong. Um, <laughs> could you maybe type up something that I could read? Because I want to make sure that I get it right when I try to relate it again. Instead of having a conversation where you say, yeah. so part two was great, except uh, when you talked about the correction for psychographics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know how to say this without being a dick. <laughs> So he sent us in uh, this correction, and I'll just read what he sent us in. It says, I wanted to make a correction to your presentation of psychographics in last week's show. Psychographics are a form of marketing research criteria. You're likely familiar with demographics, which track things like age, race, gender, location, and so on. These are used by advertisers and others to target individuals for products, services, and so on. The idea goes like this. If you're a male, age 25 to 30, you might be susceptible to advertising on status purchases like watches, clothes, or shoes. Psychographics work differently. They track behavior and use behavior to establish mental characteristics. Many psychographic analyses will use what's called the OCEAN score for context. OCEAN stands for openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and eroticism. You can observe a person's score by looking at self-reference pronouns, for neuroticism, people refer to themselves more, or agreeableness could be tracked by the websites one views or the use of conflict verbs. By knowing the degree to which an individual scores in these metrics, you can persuade them in different techniques. The company Cambridge Analytica, which is believed to have influenced voters during the Brexit vote, uses psychographics to target particular subsets or even individuals online with advertising messages craft to persuade them based on their psychographics. So, and this isn't what he, what he typed up, but this is just kind of my understanding of mm-hmm. it. So psychographics is also kind of a demographic, but you're not looking at, at specific physical traits for somebody, right? You're not looking at their age. 
or their weight or their well, or their health status or where they live or things like that. It's you're looking at their mental state. The way I'm getting it is almost you know like when you're their online and and Google is looking at all the websites that you're going to, so they know oh we can pitch this advertisement because that that looks like what they're into right now. Yeah, well, I mean when you when you hear you know people on TV talk about the best uh, demographic mm-hmm. for their show, it's you know males between the ages of. 18 and 29 or whatever it is, you know, but that's, that's a specific demographic based on physical characteristics rather than mental characteristics. And Alexander's correction continues to say, this is important to note because Cambridge Analytica is heavily funded by Robert Mercer, who also funds Breitbart and donated significantly to Trump's campaign. While there is not presently direct evidence that Cambridge Analytica was involved in the U.S. election, There appears to have been targeted advertising to individuals in swing states pushing articles originating from Russian propaganda sources like RT and Sputnik News. These news stories appear to have been designed to turn voters or their disgruntled attitude toward the American voting process and the perception that there was an establishment artificially limiting electoral options. A significant portion of Bernie supporters were persuaded to vote for Trump as opposed to Clinton because of the proliferation of Russian derived news sources accusing her of cheating in the primary based on specific, limited, and taken-out-of-context emails released by WikiLeaks. I still argue with people about that. Oh, yeah, me too. Explaining the entire Bannon-Mercer-Cambridge Analytica connection is outside the scope of this clarification, but it is a project I've been working on. So, maybe we can talk about that on a future episode. Mm. But thank you very much for the clarification, Alexander. I appreciate that. It's it's always good to know if we've given bad information so that we can correct that. If we've gotten something wrong, I want to know it so that we can fix yeah. it rather than leading people astray. So thank you very much. And if it's something I say and it sounds really fucked up, it's just supposed to be fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so you may remember that. Oh, wait, are we are you jumping right into it? Maybe. No, I have a skeptical score to settle. OK. Oh, you want to do that right off the bat? Let's let's do it. Let's do, do it. it. I mean, I I, I am the leader of this group. A skeptical score to settle. I am I am the highest ranking agent here. I, okay. you, so um, I give you permission. Now uh-huh. this is not fault. I don't know what he's going to say, dear agent leaders. We I well I'm going to do some shit, man. You between between we're recording tonight, and by the time this is released, and they realize what has hit them. <laughs> there will be some things, man. You may not know what exactly I'm going to say, but I think the tone can be guessed pretty easily. It's <clears throat> well, it's coming from you, so <laughs> yeah, it might be something that matters. Oh, almost. It's Dan has earned himself almost his own "What Matters" segment. Dan, <laughs> Dan not Morris, me, not me. Dan, okay, Dan, uh, uh, I think you mean Doctor yeah, Do- Dan Morris. <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Daniel Morris. Um, so if you haven't listened to the latest episode of the Two Skeptical Chaps. Episode and, 47. Mm-hmm, uh, do that and also listen to every other one they've got. It's a great show. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Uh, they pulled some stuff from but... uh, a show that we did uh, talking about <laughs> them. I have no idea how long this is going to go on. Uh, but I have no intention of de-escalating at this point. So, uh, here we go. Expelled. No jokes allowed. Uh Uh-oh. 
Dearest Spike and Dan. Mostly Dan. Spike said he's, he'd stay out of it, but ultimately he agreed to it yeah, at the I end. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Come on now. Honestly, I didn't realize you even listened to our show anymore, but uh, <laughs> if you do do it at work, though, please be sure your earbuds are plugged all the way in. Um, <laughs> anyway, I was listening to the latest episode of your, what is it, monthly podcast? I don't know. And was oh. pleased. <laughs> and Nobody was, does. <laughs> and was so pleased to hear that Dan and I, that Dan Ellis and I had finally been dubbed special agents. Yay. At long last, we'd arrived. I'm special. We'd supported you all along the way and watched many others achieve this rank ahead of us. Finally, a real-life special agent. But then, mere seconds later, it was demoted. Well, I kept my rank. Not just any old demotion either. Uh, to the cellar for both Dan and I. Daniel, Dan Ellis and I. Well, they needed a new custodian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and your reason left me scratching my head. You demoted me for saying uh, that you're above Joe Everyman, then demoted Dan for insulting you by calling you the ultimate Everyman title, Mr. <laughs> <This is, laughs> That's a great point, Matt. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, let me see. Where am I? This is a government, government agency cracking down on free speech because it displeases Dr. King. King, doctor, <laughs> Mr. Monarch. Whatever you want to call, be called. <laughs> uh, now, you certainly aren't ferret wearing, but uh, <laughs> whimsical, imperialistic style authoritarian demotion dealing does little to shed the posh reputation. <laughs> Don't forget that I gave myself the pessimist supreme title because it seemed to be the consensus opinion about my misanthropic and less than chipper personality. However, I could have easily given myself the equally accurate, if less modest, ambassador to your American podcast audience, Supreme. (laughs) (laughs) For a number of weeks after I contacted and recommended your show, you happened to mention seeing not insignificant upticks in listenership. Hmm. Could be pure random coincidence. But as we're skeptical, with a K, the wrong way to spell it, (laughs) I think Occam's razor may apply here. You're welcome. All the way from down here. Maybe Cheeky Supreme would also work. Uh, Um, uh, If you're so keen on being blue collar, perhaps you won't mind if we agents and one lonely attendant unionize. Then we'll be able to keep rank with sending only minimal stories and still be able to speak freely. <laughs> uh no, but seriously, I do love the show. I'm always excited when a new up comes out every month or two and uh <laughs> I think everybody should or ble- between their holidays or whatever it is. I think everybody should go listen to it. They always have great content. Uh couldn't be happier that we're friends with those guys. And uh they but, really are a whole lot of fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, super nice guys. Um however, I unlike all of your other agents or attendants will not grovel nor mm. beg my way back. Wait, didn't you just do so, that? So, attendant, I'll remain. <laughs> and as Pessimist Supreme, I suppose I should have expected as much. <laughs> and they should have as well. <laughs> All right. That was a good piece. Hey, I just got to find out from them if, as the special agent, you're just an agent. You're a, you're a custodian. You're fucking. I'm not even. <laughs> you're, I, you're shit. Oh, no, I, I am an agent again. Um, I, I was, I, I was demoted to 
attendant, I think, and then yeah, then they got promoted back up to agent. Okay, I'm scarcely more than a glorified secretary. (laughs) (laughs) I just need to find out from them. With me as as head special agent here at the Godless Revolution, if I have authority to promote and demote you guys, no, no. Well, they got to tell me. I got to find out from my boss. <laughs> but my boss is if they will allow me to have Your that. Your evil British overlords. <laughs> that, that right here. I mean, I'll still bow to the queen. He works for the empire. <laughs> Damn it, Ryan. We're supposed to be the rebels. You're a red Shit. coat. Fucking red coat. You're wearing red. I'm wearing black. Well. So you're more red coat than me. You got red hair. That's not. No. That's not how it works. <laughs> All right, we're we're gonna move on to Bannon. All right, get it, get her, get her done. Just don't get too mad. Listening. I fucking hate that I just said that. Get her done. <laughs> oh my god, I want to I want to hurt myself now. I am Jim Helton, regional director for American Atheist and president of the Tri-State Freethinkers, and you're listening to Godless Revolution. You are so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Where's that bracelet I got you? Oh, which bracelet? The one with the little engraving. Oh, the what would Jesus do? Oh, it was a nice one. Yeah, it is nice. I just, I got dressed really fast, so I didn't remember to put it on. You know what Jesus would do? What? I think he would wear the bracelet. You think Jesus would wear a bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? Well, he would if his mother-in-law got it for him. Wouldn't it say, what would I do? And wouldn't he know? You and the Godless Revolution will be reassimilated in three, two, one. So you may remember that last week we left off with Bannon on on the literature that has influenced his yes. life, the way he or, thinks. Yeah, his his decision making. Some some pretty horrible opinions that these people hold. What he does and says, and the way he treats people and views the world around him, and. What's what's really odd to me, though, is that people who have the capacity to read all of the things that he has and... And a good education. Yeah, well, and then to adopt this really cynical, awful, hurtful, mean view of the world based on that rather than... Like, I've read... I haven't read all of the same things he's read, but I've read a lot of what he's read and a lot of other things with similar content. And it didn't turn me into a gigantic asshole. Yeah. I mean, if anything, you read that stuff and like, that's how I don't want to be. But there are certain people in the world that are like that. So. Yeah. Do you, I mean, is that the nature nurture thing? Is it. It could be. Is it just a, you're predisposed to be one way or another? I don't, I don't know how that works. Could be part of a deterministic the, the psych- aspect of. Yeah. The psychology of, of what, what influence you, you can take in. And even even a lot of the horrible things that he's read, there are some good parts to be gleaned from it. But rather than adopt those good parts, he's taken all of the most yeah. horrific, horrendous, awful bits of it and made that part of his worldview. Or, you know, if he was bullied and put down and now he wants to lead and be a big ruler. And God, I wish he was put Get down. revenge. <laughs> well, I mean, that was when he was like two. <laughs> but now that he's older, he's like having the opportunity to control things and... Yeah, be I mean, the one in charge and we could speculate on the psychology and all that stuff but i think i really think the significant part is that those are the books that he chooses to keep around that he chooses to keep close to him and chooses you know, to not, quote it's not just like oh well i've i've read a number of these so that i can know what's in them and what you know what this side is talking about about these things it's like yeah these are the core books that really speak to me 
I think that's the the part that's probably most uh, troubling about it. That that's the, those are the ones that he's keeping. Well, yeah, that it that it's like he's he chooses those to reinforce being a shitty human being. Yeah, I don't. I'm may. Do you think he doesn't know that he's a shitty human being? Does anybody? He's, he's got to know. Well, I'm sure some people do. Well, actually, he probably doesn't think of himself as being a shitty human being. He's just doing what he wants to do, and he's going about it the way he thinks he needs to go about it to achieve his goals. I think most people think of themselves as far better humans than yeah. they really are. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's always just, it's always been one of those things that make me go, hmm, about the types of information people can can take in, and then when they reflect the lessons they've learned, you know, when they when they when they put out that reflection and they tell you what they've learned from those things, how different people can can reflect such different things from what they've just learned well, or just mm-hmm. or just read, you know. If he has a really low level of empathy yeah. towards other people, he sure I seems mean, to. Yeah, which is kind of the way he seems. Um, he's acting accordingly. Hmm. Yeah. It's just always seemed very, I don't know. Like I said, it's just one of those things that have, that I've thought about. Like how, how is it that one person, you know, that, that different people can read the same thing and walk away with completely different lessons from, from reading it. Like, like the, the Bible. Bible? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Anyway, uh, we'll continue, uh, the Bannon thing here. Um, This next section is entitled Vatican Speech, and I'm just going to read from the article that Alexander prepared for us. And we're at the very beginning stages of a very brutal and bloody conflict, of which, if the people in this room, the people in the church, do not bind together and really form what I feel is an aspect of the church militant, to really be able to not just stand with our beliefs, but to fight for our beliefs against this new barbarity that's starting. That will completely eradicate everything that we've been bequeathed over the last 2,000 to 2,500 years. Steve Bannon. Which that, that, I mean, he's got to be going all the way back to, like, Judaism for the 25. Because Christianity ain't been along well, that, that long. Well, that would be the beginning of Christianity, yeah. Well, I was, I was going with trying to think, like, when the Bible was actually put out. Christianity didn't begin 2,500 years ago. Well, no, it didn't begin 2,500 Not even 2,000 years, years ago. ago. Well, I mean, the... It didn't, it didn't really of... begin till Paul, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, it would, but that... The, so the 2,000 years ago would have been supposedly during Christ's lifetime, but... Yeah. Um, anyway, that was a quote from Steve Bannon. Uh, in 2014, Bannon gave a speech to the Human Dignity Institute, a far-right Catholic organization led by Cardinal Raymond Burke who was ousted from Vatican senior leadership due to his criticism of Pope Francis's progressive statements. This speech gave him the venue to, pr- to pontificate <laughs> on his highest ideological priorities in a more clear and concise way than he had previously with his radio show and articles. Uh, a Human Dignity Institute ran by far-right Christians kind of sounds like an oxymoron. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, that would be like, you know, uh, the Catholic Church's Don't new organization boys. for the protection of of children within the church. Yeah. Yeah, kind of an oxymoron. Uh, but here he highlights his three converging tendencies. Number one, capitalism is moving away from what he calls spiritual capitalism. 
This is where Steve Bannon squares the circle on his readings of Burke, rejecting social social welfare and egalitarianism, with Nassim Taleb requiring conflict to toughen up societies. You see hints of Marx and Kant in his speech, where Bannon claims that capitalism has failed people by making them, quote, a means to an end, not an end unto themselves. Bannon argues that there should be a, quote, cap on wealth creation and distribution, which seems completely out of line with his other beliefs, except in that he hand waves the administration of the system by asking, quote, what has God given me with this gift of wealth? He is positing that in a Christian capitalist society, the rich will bestow upon the poor what they need. <laughs> Which is complete <laughs> bullshit. That's absolute fucking bullshit. Oh, they've done so well with all the wealth they already fucking yeah. have. With we, the gold-encrusted Vatican? Yeah. Are you kidding me? And the fucking seven billion or eight billion, how much is the Mormon church worth? And they still ma- they still have slave labor with the missionaries who pay to be there. Yeah. Well, not yeah, just with don't... the missionaries. All of their clergy, everybody, yeah, everybody. who claims yeah, the yeah, fucking yeah. church, everybody who does anything for the LDS church apart from the, the 70, or the regional 70 yeah, and, yeah. and the quorum of the 12 and the president are all unpaid laborers. They're yeah. all lay people. They all donate their time and service to the church in fact paid nothing your bishop neighbor won't even fucking shovel your driveway yeah when he does all the others in the neighborhood yeah and anybody who calls themselves a capitalist doesn't give anybody anything well i've heard people argue too saying that the reason why the churches have tax-free status is because they help the poor and i'm like well that's what it's shit that's what it's supposed to be yeah 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 from the 1950s idea yeah that they're a charity right but they don't do that any i mean Handing out Bibles and rosaries is not fucking help. And there are some Christian organizations and churches which do there are do charitable works for people. But by and large, you can look at large uh, Christian denominations. You can look at the Catholic Church. You can look at the LDS Church. You can look at any large fucking Joel Osteen yeah. preaches in these yeah. fucking mega churches and lives in a mansion. You know, you you have pastors preaching the prosperity gospel where if you give them money christ will provide for you instead Mm -hmm. of providing for yourself or the or the church providing for you give the church money and then magically not anybody in the church but god or christ themselves will make sure that you're provided for and there's a huge conflict here right christian capitalists like because capitalism is about collecting money for yourself People who have money don't get that way by giving it away. Yeah, right. And people who people who are generous don't get rich. And and, and here in, so in Salt Lake City has an inherent conflict in Salt Lake City, Utah, with the the Mormon temple being there. Who do you think it is that sits down near Liberty Park, where all the homeless people normally hang out, and hands out food every week? Who? Uh, the Jewish church does, mm. or the Jewish temple from Salt Lake. I actually remember that because I was researching how to get a license to do, like, food for the homeless, and they were the only ones that has an ongoing license, a weekly permit. Well, and here in Utah, you have the LDS Church build a fucking shopping mall. Yeah. One shopping mall that the price for that shopping mall is more than the total of all charitable donations ever ever made by the LDS church yeah. in its history combined. Yep. A, one fucking shopping a mall. A for-profit mall. Yeah. yeah. A for-profit business. On church property. Not to mention all their real estate business ventures. Anyway, yes, that there's no possible way Christian capitalist is that that with with trickle-down economics is ever going to fucking work. No. 
and and it's inherently biased, and they will only help people who who believe in the same thing or mm-hmm, who they yeah. want to convert to that belief system, mm-hmm. right? So you're setting yourself up for a theocracy if you follow this path anyway. You're setting it up so that everybody has to believe in Christian values, everybody has to go to a Christian church, everybody has to rely on that on that religious institution for benefits. Yeah, and we know that it hasn't fucking worked. Yeah. If it had worked, we wouldn't have. Medicaid, Medicare, welfare yeah. systems. We wouldn't have right. SNAP programs. We, we wouldn't, wouldn't have, have homeless. We wouldn't have the government paying for public education. The churches would have already fucking handled all of that. They would have done it already. Yep. And they they fucking haven't. No. No, they leave the rest of us to scramble for the money they haven't already sucked out of the economy. Well, not only haven't done they do it, they have zero intentions to ever do it. So that's not going to work. <laughs> Moving on. Next. Bannon directly attacks the state-sponsored pseudo-capitalism of China and the crony capitalism of Russia as both systems, quote, great wealth for only a small subset of people. (laughs) He also dispatches Ayn Rand as almost as disgusting in his speech. So I agree with uh, Steve Bannon about something. (laughs) Yeah, it's just interesting that he he doesn't like crony capitalism. How the fuck do you think you got your administration position? Yeah. And everybody else in the administration. I know, but him specifically, the hypocrisy. It's very hard to determine whether Bannon is lying out of his ass or a true believer. He associates with Robert Mercer, CEO of Cambridge Analytics, GOP donor and Brexit donor, Eric Prince, former CEO of Blackwater, Hmm. Betsy DeVos, Trump, Hmm. and others who have directly benefited from the crony capitalism he seems to oppose. Hmm. It could be assessed that he is using those individuals as a means to an end, or he is suffering from severe cognitive dissonance. Uh-huh. Number two, Bannon very briefly addresses in his speech his second converging tendency, what he calls the immense secularization of the West. Uh, how dare the West become secularized and Hey, baby, you accept- want to see my immense secularization? <laughs> Ooh, did they cut too much off? I dressed to the West, by the way. <laughs> Bannon believes or claims to believe that without a religious North Star to guide civilization, it will decline. He says, quote, I certainly think secularism has sapped the strength of the Judeo-Christian West to defend its ideals, right? Which means you just don't have the Hmm. ability to rule this fucking country as a theocratic state, which is what he wants. I certainly think secularism has sapped the strength of the Judeo-Christian West to defend its ideals, right? So, mm. where is your God? Where yeah. is your God defending your Judeo-Christian ideals? Yeah. Is he so fucking weak that, that, a, that a mere thought in somebody's mind that he may not exist banishes him instantly? Because yeah. that seems to be what he's implying here. Or it's, it's even worse than that. It's like, hey, have you heard of this Jesus guy? And someone goes, yeah, I have. No, thanks. Oh, my strength has been sapped. <laughs> and didn't we split off from the two skeptical chaps because they were forcing religion on us that we didn't all want to follow? I mean, Great Britain. Oh, right. Or England. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> I was like, are we are we just starting? Is this a rumor day? Are we just starting <laughs> starting random rumors now that don't have anything? People are going to go back to that episode and be like, what? Where did they start a religion? Where what did the they fuck? do that? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> From now on, <laughs> oh God, just throw some it's random just, thing in there to the people. <laughs> it's it's just funny to me that when you think of UK, the whole thing is two skeptical chaps, and one of them's not even British. <laughs> no, I mean he's a citizen. He's but... there though. <laughs> he's there though. That makes him complicit. <laughs> and he is. And he is. 
Uh, number three, finally, Bannon claims, quote, We are in an outright war against jihadist Islamic fascism as his final converging tendency. When you combine this view with his fear of secularization, his reading of Evola and the Camp of Saints, you reveal a man mortified at the idea of what he views as Western civilization under assault. And we mentioned during our previous episode that the Camp of the Saints was run by somebody who literally eats shit and was called the Turd Eater. Yeah. Hmm. Apparently Steve Bannon has a real, real big fear of somebody like that, <laughs> you know, trampling all over his Judeo-Christian values. I'm just going to make a Photoshop of him making him look like he is the Turd Eater. Yeah, his Judeo-Christian values of drinking blood. Turd Eater. <laughs> turd Eater. Yes. I remember that. <laughs> Hi, this is Michelle Short. And this is Stu DeHaan. And we're the co-chapter heads of the Satanic Temple in Arizona. You're listening to The Godless Revolution. For cool Satan swag, please visit the website shopsatan.com. Who's that? This woman wants to have sex with me. <laughs> that woman wants to fuck you? This is Shania Twain. This is not the woman sending. Oh, God. Oh, my God. What is that? Oh, that's a clam. Oh. You got to send a picture back. What? If you get a picture of a clam, you have to send back a picture of your man clam or it's rude. Look, I'm not going to send this woman a, a dick pic. I barely know her. You don't have to use your own dick for dick pics. You just Google picture of dick. Gotta make sure it looks enough like your dick because you don't want your dick pic to write a check that your real dick can't cash. I got it. You want to see the dick I use? No. It might be able to work for both of us. I have an Indian friend who uses a picture of my actual dick. I don't want to use your dick. She's probably sitting at home wondering what's wrong with her clam. Rude. I'm not sending a real or a fake dick. I don't even want to see this person again. A guy like you... In a shirt like that, you shouldn't be turning on pussy, is what I'm saying. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. The man behind Trump. Trump is a blunt instrument for us. I don't know whether he really gets it or not. Steve Bannon in an interview with Ken Stern, writer for Vanity Fair. Which is fucking scary. Wow. Political wonks analyzing Trump's policies assert there are between three and eight unique factions vying for control over Trump's agenda. All include Bannon and his circle as one of those factions. You didn't want to include the John Malkovich joke because you don't know the movie. I'm not sure which John Malkovich joke that is. You ever seen the movie Being John Malkovich? Uh-huh. Where they're all going into John Malkovich's head and trying to take control of his body. Uh-huh. And, like, one's the... The lesbian and trying to get with them and the other ones, like John Cusack is one of them and it's stuff. Been and it's been a while since I've on, seen it. But yeah. It's on like the 13th and a half floor where it's this tiny floor and there's a little, little door you go through and it leads you into, into John Malkovich's head. Yeah. So that's and then it spits you out onto the New Jersey turnpike when, it, when you... <laughs> so that's similar to the three or eight unique factions yeah. vying for control over Trump's agenda? Yeah, because they're all a bunch of people that are trying to get into John Malkovich's head to control him in the movie. Right. Hmm. Bannon functions as chief strategist and a key advisor for Trump. He was elevated to permanent status on the National Security Council in a highly unorthodox move by Trump. Yeah, which and of course was a he bullshit has since move. Been removed, but he's still there. Well, he's not on that that panel anymore, but he's still in the fucking White House. Uh huh. David J. Rothkop, chief executive and editor of the FP Group, 
which publishes Foreign Policy Magazine, has written two histories of the NSC, Running the World and National Insecurity. He has this to say about the importance of the National Security Council, quote, The idea of the National Security Council, established in 1947, is to ensure that the president has the best possible advice from his cabinet and the intelligence community before making consequential decisions and to ensure that, once those decisions are made, a centralized mechanism exists to guarantee their effective implementation. The NSC is effectively the central nervous system of the U.S. foreign policy and national security apparatus. Yeah. A whole lot of emphasis on that last sentence. It's a very, very important group of people. That Bannon, who last served in even a nominally national security role or attended formal education on the subject more than three decades ago, sits as a principal committee member at the expense of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and director of national intelligence is a point in favor to the level of power he holds in the administration. Yeah. That's how much Trump cock he's been gobbling. It's like everyone else in that administration has worked probably decades just to get to that spot. Oh, absolutely. And he just shows up one day like, hey, I'm your buddy. Hey, Donald, I'm going to publish a bunch of things on Breitbart that make you look good and make Hillary look bad yeah. and everybody else look bad. And so you'll give me a really kick-ass job, right? Yeah. That's like, how this works. Like I can tell you to I hate new- crony capitalism. <laughs> But uh, maybe I could just uh, let it slide this one time. In light of breaking news that Bannon has been removed from the NSC, it is pure speculation at this point what will happen. It is possible his removal is a political sacrifice given the explanation was that he was there to, quote, keep an eye on Flynn. Alternatively, Bannon may have lost to political infighting. At the time of this writing, there is no way to know. Yeah, but the Flynn thing is complete bullshit. Cause it's Flynn, absolute bullshit. Flynn was out three weeks Three before? weeks before they removed him. Yeah. So, and if you have an inkling that the guy you're putting on the National Fucking Security Council- That you voted, that you appointed. Is a danger and needs to have somebody keep an eye on him, why in the fuck are you putting him yeah. on the National Security Council? And it's funny that he's the only one so far- that's had the integrity to resign yes. from all of his ties. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that needs to be watched? Well, he was fired slash resigned. Yeah. Maybe Bannon Whatever. was just there to make sure that Flynn didn't email any of his handlers in uh, Russia. But he has also come out and said that he wants to tell his story and has asked for diplomatic <laughs> immunity. <laughs> but they wouldn't give it to him. <laughs> Well, no, there's no reason for them no. to do it yet. Until they complete their investigation, yeah. they may find shit on him that they're like, no. You're fucking going to Leavenworth. You're going to testify, or we're just going to throw your ass in prison. Yeah. So, Or just throw him in the Arctic. Yeah, well, they, they don't even know if they need his testimony. Yeah. They may have a That's whole the- bunch of other evidence that makes whatever he wants to say completely irrelevant. And at the same time, they could prosecute his ass and throw him in prison. Yeah. During the internal debate and policymaking of the first version of the Muslim ban, Bannon reportedly ran point with Stephen Miller. That vampirish little fuck. Have you seen that guy? He's the one who who was like, Donald Trump is the best president ever. This is a fact. And this is... Oh, He's the one with like the really short-cropped hair and the men in black suit and skinny tie. Was he the one that was first up there doing the speaking for him before Spicer started talking for him? No. 
No, but he came out as a surrogate when when they first benched Kellyanne Conway mm-hmm. after she made the, her alt facts <laughs> bullshit thing. Uh, Stephen Miller okay. was the one who made the Sunday think, show circuit. I think I've got that. the vision in my head. Yeah. He looks like a fucking little vampire, and he's creepy as fuck <laughs> to hear him talk. Um, in fact, John Kelly, Homeland Security Director, reportedly reminded Bannon that, quote, he wasn't president during disputes over the directive that lawful permanent residents may be restricted in the course of the ban. Bannon's anti-immigration policies have heavily influenced Trump's own nativist stance. Yeah, that ain't good. It is also worth noting that Bannon is in conflict with Reince Priebus, or Pubis? Reince Pubis, as as Dr. Ben Sleepy Time Carson calls him. Is his real name Curly? <laughs> the, former, <laughs> the former GOP chair and now chief of staff to Trump. Prominently at CPAC, a conservative forum, Bannon grasped Priebus's thigh in a sort of power move while the two were speaking to an audience. That's not a power move. That's a porn move. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so when I, when I read this at first, I was, I was thinking to myself, were they, were they standing on stage? Or, well, you see, or were they seated next to each other? Because that, that like really changes the dynamic, yeah. right? Because well, most of the, the like things if I'm I've standing seen... next to you and I just reach over and grab your thigh, that's, I do that to people to make them feel awkward. Yeah. I do it to make myself feel better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I think they're sitting because most, most of the things I've seen come out of CPAC, uh-huh. uh, they're sitting in like nice little cushy leather chairs on the stage, yeah. like a semicircle type thing. Uh, circle jerkish kind yeah. of arrangement? Yeah. Okay. Well, I imagine Bannon had to move his chair closer just to grab the thigh. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, Bannon grasped Priebus's thigh in a sort of power move while the two were speaking to an audience. A nonverbal assessment based on the Ekman method shows that Priebus was even more put off by the move than one would express, demonstrating near intolerable levels of the disgust core emotion. In an interview, Bannon identified three pillars for Trump's agenda, which strongly align with Bannon's own ideology. The first is national security and sovereignty through which Bannon prioritizes the intelligence community, Defense Department, and Homeland Security. Secondly, he prioritizes economic nationalism, and then cites Wilbur Ross, Commerce Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, Treasury Secretary, nominee Robert Lighthizer for Trade, and Peter Navarro and Stephen Miller as advisors. These individuals represent more of the crony capitalism model than anything else, supporting an assessment that Bannon's enlightened capitalism is more a talking point than a sincerely held ideological stance. Alternatively, they could be a means to an end, much like Mm. Trump. Yeah. Well, I don't like the end that could be coming with that. I like the name Robert Lightsaber. I mean, Lighthizer. Yeah, I was like, this is not a lightsaber. <laughs> I had to look at it again, like, wait. <laughs> when I was talking to Alexander back and forth, uh, when, when I was reading through this and making comments and, you know, we're, he's, he's like editing it on the fly as I'm making comments and asking yeah. questions and stuff. And so. Did you I, type I, in lightsaber? Well, on so him? we're, we're both in the document and you can see when somebody else is editing, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I highlighted that and then he quickly commented and said, digging for pronunciation. And oh, there, as yeah. he's typing out the pronunciation, <laughs> I was typing out my my reply, but he put Lighthizer, and my reply, like, instantly after that yeah. was, Robert Lightsaber, I'm calling it now. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Anyway. I laugh. <laughs> 
Finally, Bannon identifies the deconstruction of the administrative state, which is in line with the appointment of Rex Tillerson to the Department of State and its subsequent castration by refusal to fill positions and the culling of top career diplomats. His appointment of Betsy DeVos to education, which Ooh. wants who wants to privatize schools and abolish the department. Scott Pruitt of the EPA, who himself has multiple lawsuits against the EPA and wants to eliminate it. To a lesser degree, the appointment of the incompetent Ben Carson to housing and urban development also matches this sentiment. Well, good thing is Ben Carson doesn't even know what a house is. My luggage. Yeah. (laughs) You thought that was his house. He names it luggage. Bannon's on-the-record statement that, quote, We're at the very beginning stages of a very brutal and bloody conflict. We are in outright war against jihadist Islamic fascism. Shows alignment with Trump's increased use of force in the Middle East, particularly in Yemen, where he has, had, where he has staged raids, where he has staged rushed raids, and Syria, where he has ordered five times as many strikes as Obama did. Yeah, and they kept trying to uh, say that that Yemen raid was a, a success. Yeah, nobody. I mean, that but, this, this is interesting yeah. though because I I I've always I've always kind of wondered like you know in the back of my mind how is Trump making these picks? I'm I I I just I do not believe that he knows any of these people. No, I don't think Trump has. So I, was, I don't think Trump really made any of these picks on his own. He's, exactly, he's relied but, on somebody else to. Pick yeah, them. Well, but now if, it's making sense. Yeah. If this Trump was picking them, Bannon's plan, he would take them to the golf course. Be like, you beat me on the first nine, you get appointed to... Nobody beats Trump on his golf course. Well, he's not He's not Kim Jong-un. Uh, Un. Yeah, I was like, I, I, I was, I was going to say his dad's name <laughs> for a second there. I mean, you had it almost at just saying, uh. I was like, wait, is it Kim Jong... No, I was like, <laughs> Un or Il? I'm like, no, it's Un. <laughs> Kim Jong... Uh, so it was Kim Jong-il, I think, who they had was, was hitting... He was the illest. He was the illest. At golfing because he was getting holes and ones on every course he went to. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't think anybody would believe that Kim Jong-un plays sports, even people in Golf's not North a sport, Korea. It's a game. Well, he doesn't play games. He's too chubby. I'm chubby and I play golf. Yeah, but nobody would believe it. <laughs> <laughs> they should. I post about it all the fucking time. All right. When we get back, we will wrap things up on Steve Bannon. This is Matt Dillahunty, and you're listening to The Godless Revolution. I got news for you. I I can't have this shit in my house, okay? I told you that. I'm going to finish it. Yeah, you're not going to finish it. I'm taking this the fuck out of here. Artie, you can't have this. It's Mike's Hard Lemonade. You're an alcoholic. Dude, I'm an alcoholic. I'm not Hannah Montana. What the fuck? I can handle it. Artie, Hannah Montana would drink Mike's Hard Lemonade because we've let her slip into Miley Cyrus. Right. She used to be Hannah Montana. She used to be pure. She used to be golden light. And now she's out there licking poles and children at the Teen's Choice Awards get a look right out of her vagina. Yeah, you know, let's, let's get to breakfast. We got to sober you up. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Recapitulation and final analysis. Bannon is a traditionalist. He views contemporary Western liberal democracy as a deviation from a historically successful form of government of enlightened rulers overseeing equitable capitalism among a Christian society. He dismisses modern civil rights and social justice as a structure that weakens the population, preferring instead that the weak either remove themselves from the population or are supported by benevolent Christian authorities. He believes that non-Western, openly, and non-white, 
tacitly, cultures are inferior are inferior to white Western Christendom. He blames the 2007 housing crash on a culture of enabling among black Americans and espouses literature such as the Camp of Saints and the writings of fascist Evola as justification for what is essentially a holy war against what he calls Islamic fascism. And there, there is Islamic fascism, that's for sure. But the answer to that is not Christian fascism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our brand of fascism is so much better. Yeah. Our brand of God is better. Yeah. It's all the same mistake. Bannon holds anti-Semitic and anti-woman views, mm-hmm. being unashamedly on the record calling specific women cunts, dykes, and bimbos. Sorry, Ryan's mom. <laughs> Are you calling my mom a bimbo? No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. That is completely inappropriate. <laughs> Daniel no, Ellis. No. Sorry. Sorry, Mrs. Duffy. I was talking about the women that he was talking about. <laughs> and the word and those words. I, I didn't mean any of that. Well, you didn't say cunt. No, I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the first one. Oh, I didn't hear that one. <laughs> You're just deaf to that word I'm now. Deaf to, I'm, I'm deaf to cunt. <laughs> this is in line with the anti-women views of the red pill subset of the alt-right, as well as the anti-women views of the fascist Evola. Whether Bannon believes this because he has read the literature or agrees with the literature because it supports his views is largely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Bannon appears firmly convinced of the apocalyptic claims of Strauss and Howe, and Howe, <laughs> in their generational theory. He eagerly anticipates and hopes to encourage events that will lead to a major governmental and social upheaval with the intent of replacing the former Western liberal democratic order with a Christian nationalistic autocracy. It is worth noting that I was unable to find any end times second coming Christian views expressed by Bannon in correlation with this viewpoint. He has not made the claim that this will concur with a Christian end times dominion, but instead it will be a civic revolution. Hmm. Which is interesting. Yeah, Yeah. he's got all these religious views and he isn't claiming a second coming of Jesus for this. Well, it's it's almost as if he doesn't really have those religious views. He's but he view but he but he has in his mind that those Christian views are more easier uh, to control people with more, those views. Yeah, or or more analogous to what he sees in quote unquote the real world, mm-hmm. right? In the secular world, the Christians have it right, except for the God part, right? <laughs> they 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 have it right that these things will will transpire. But they, you don't have to necessarily yeah. believe all the gaudy bullshit about it. They're they're easily able to control their congregations and collect money from them and have them do their bidding for you. It's it's like he sees the church as an as a means to an end, just yeah. like he does Trump and everybody else. Yeah. As a natural consequence of the above views, Bannon sees the present administration of the U.S. government as antithetical to the well-being of its citizen. He seeks to radically uproot administrations like the EPA education, and state departments in order to reform the government in his ideological image. The damage that occurs in the interim is a feature, not a bug. He believes, based on the Strauss-Howe theory, that the resulting chaos will serve as a call to action for a generation of millennials in line with his way of thinking to pave the way for his preferred form of government. I don't think the millennials are going to go with him. Thankfully, I think most wouldn't. Certainly some will. Some will, yes. But some I think, number of I think, them for sure, but I think we, we've... 
I think as, we've progressed enough. I that, think as a culture, we've become more empathetic towards other people. Yeah. And yeah, the the millennials are not the boomers. No. Well, also millennials are more in touch with technology. And, well, that and, certainly is true. But I mean, with along with technology, you can actually look stuff up, which I still have to tell them. Yeah, you they got the Google. But they don't. Yeah. Bannon possesses a potent mixture. Bannon possesses a potent mixture of intellect and literary background, with a propensity to use what philosophies coincide with his own and disregard the rest. He utilizes this pseudo intellectualism as a rhetorical pillar to lend himself legitimacy. In a similar fashion, he has a Machiavellian strategy of attaching himself to useful political actors in order to advance his own interests. Bannon has secured a high degree of power within the Trump administration, conflicting primarily with the Priebus and Kutchner factions. Where national security and immigration policies are concerned, he appears to have complete control. He also has enough control over the deconstruction of departments to serve his ends, even if he doesn't have complete political power over the secretaries of those departments. It is worth noting, however, that Bannon is a creature of opportunity. Any opinion that he expresses may not be sincerely held, but instead a useful means to an end. And I think we've seen that throughout this. Yeah. The only safe analysis is that he hopes to leave an impact on the world, and his preferred route is through the complete destruction of the status quo. To make a pop culture reference, this man is Peter Baelish in the flesh. And I commented and said, or the Joker, much to Matt's chagrin, I'm sure. Some people just want to watch the world burn, man. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I like the Joker. I mean, I don't care. But. Well, thank you very much. That was a ton of work. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah. Thank you so much, Alexander. I, I can't begin to tell you how much I appreciate how much you put into this, how much time you spent on it, how how much you had to spend on your own and then compiling well, it and then working with us and correcting and like just the whole fucking thing, man. Honestly, kudos. Well, like job well done, man. Fan fucking tastic. Thank you so much. I'm just waiting for the day when Alexander gets a Pulitzer Prize for his investigative journalism. Yes. That would be awesome. And then beers are on us if uh, if you swing by. Yeah, yeah. I told him if he's ever in the area, he he can crash here and we'll we'll hang and drink, man. Yeah. But honestly, thank you, thank you, thank you so so much. Hi, this is Yvette Dontremont, aka the Cybabe, and you're listening to Godless Revolution. You can find me at cybabe.com, at my Twitter account at the Cybabe, and if you've hunt really hard. You can find me at Pornhub. I dare you. The next rant will start right after this. Wasn't that lovely? You'll notice there are no babies being baptized today. That's not just for water safety. (laughs) It's because we practice a believer's baptism. And unlike, say, the Catholics who are sprinkling babies all (laughs) willy-nilly... We have a three-week course. Well, how, 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 what, 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 what do you want to start with? Hi, cucaracha. Hibbity hibbity hop. I thought you were getting ready to auction some stuff. Hey, sold to the man in the white hat. Aww. What you got for us, Matthew? Want me to do one? Yeah. Please do. No. 
Please do what you do do best. Oxford, Mississippi. There's an Oxford in Mississippi. That sounds backwards. <laughs> yeah. hey, you know, you know what make us sound smart if we name our town Oxford. Mm-hmm. Then we put up a school there. Then nobody call us backwood redneck dipshits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so, sorry, people from the south. Yeah, we're gonna. A group that promotes separation of religion and government is after Ole Miss football coach Hugh Freeze. The Freedom from Religion Foundation is demanding Freeze the coach, Maurice Harris. Oh, God. Hold on. Freeze did the they, coach, Maurice Harris. Let me start did, did, that again. Did, did they yell, freeze, stop what you're doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> stop what you're doing, Maurice Harris. Uh, the Freedom from Religion Foundation is demanding freeze and coach Maurice Harris stop tweeting about religion in their official capacities at the university uh, and the... Oh, my God. You have caught the dance. Mm-hmm. You, got, you got a case of the dance. I'm so sorry. I'm stumbling over ands. That's what, that's what you get for sitting next to me, man. It was, a, it was an and both times that I, that I fucked up on. You sure you don't want a beer? I know, right? <laughs> the Freedom From Religion Foundation is demanding Freeze and Coach Maurice Harris stop tweeting about religion in their official capacities and the university not promote Twitter accounts with tweets about religion. Quote, though FFRF respects Freeze's right to tweet as a private citizen, he may not promote his personal religious beliefs while beliefs while acting in his capacity as a university employee believes, believes, <laughs> beliefs. His little believes. He's going to Belize. <laughs> um, the at coach Hugh Freeze Twitter handle appears to be an official account used in his capacity as head coach, given the account name and that the university publicizes Freeze's tweets. In publishing the coach's Twitter account on the official Ole Miss sports website, the university creates the appearance that it endorses Freeze's tweets and the religious promotion therein. So far, neither Freeze nor Ole Miss has commented. The group is known for, uh, FFRF, that is, known for threatening to sue schools and government institutions. The tweets appear to be none, uh, none too ambiguous either, uh, such as this one. Uh, quote, here's the best news ever. Your eternal standing with God doesn't depend on your goodness, but on God's unshakable faithfulness. Wait, but what if God don't got no faith in me? Oh, that sounds like, like the, he probably thinks he can get away with it because he's at uh, a large university. But can you imagine the shitstorm that would happen if a uh, principal of a local elementary tweeted some shit out like that yeah. on his official school account? You can't fucking do that. No. Or vice versa. Like, what if someone was saying, hey, nobody worry about anything because there's definitely no God and nobody has, you know, we don't have anything to worry about. They would have a fucking shit fit. Oh, yeah. Or if they just posted out what they looked at on on Pornhub for the day, which had the best April Fool's joke ever. Pornhub? Yeah, he did. No, I said hub. It sounded like Pornhub. Well, it should be called Pornhub. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, yeah. It sounded like Pornhub, for sure. Poured up. Well, you got more things for it? Oh, yeah. uh, but did you see what they did for their their uh, April Fool's prank? Wasn't it like they... Like they were making pop-ups come up that was saying like it was sharing all well, of their... instantly shared to your social media <laughs> channels. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> nice. But the funny thing is, is people were screenshotting that and then sharing it on Twitter, which was showing what they were looking at yeah. for porn. <laughs> this is freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> The terrorist responsible for the recent San Bernardino Elementary School shooting in which three people died, including the shooter himself, was reportedly a pastor and vocal about his faith. Yep, that didn't make the news. 
Cedric Anderson shot and killed his estranged wife at North Park Elementary School, where she worked. An eight-year-old student, Jonathan Martinez, was caught in the line of fire and also died from his injuries. A second student was injured and hospitalized and is reportedly in stable condition. After shooting his wife, Anderson then shot and killed himself. Christian Today reports that, though Anderson had a history of domestic violence, he also was a pastor and often wrote about his faith. I think this is interesting. Uh, Despite the fact that he had a history of domestic violence, he was also a pastor, as if those things don't so commonly go hand in hand. Or that the one negates the other. Well, he was a pastor, so he was a good guy, so we'll forgive him beating his wife and killing her. Mm -hmm. He was a good Christian man. He uh, also appeared as a guest pastor on a local radio show and talked about teaching Bible studies. And how many of these must we mm. see before right wing will say the Ooh. words radical Christian terrorists? <laughs> was was he on that radio shy with the wait radio show? Radio with, shy. Yeah, Man, we're this, all we're this... all getting the Dan tonight. <laughs> um, well, it's it's with with our favorite with our favorite baseball cap. It's wearing. definitely the Ryan's. Dan just happened to have hey, a bad episode of it tonight. Con- <laughs> it's contagioning. I guess I'm 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 <laughs> my my I'm. Sp- Spores of not being able to talk are floating out of my skin. Well, tonight. I mean, as, as the most eloquent yeah. speaker here, yes. uh, I am you quite... never you never dispronounce words. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, but uh, Justin Schieber, uh, who's been a guest on the show and was a was a member of the podcast that we like so much. Yeah. Reasonable doubts. Reasonable doubts, and now is doing his own real atheology. Uh, made a post on Facebook and said, if you're going to commit a murder-suicide, be sure that you do the suicide part first. Ah, yes. Right, yes. That's the best way that you can possibly do that. Indeed. What else are we going to talk about? Do you, do you want me to talk in an accent? Yeah. Okay, bring pull it up. Are we going to do this? Gonna pull be, it up. We're yeah, going to be a weekly thing. <laughs> I'm I'm going to get demoted right here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, who knows? I mean, it's it's just all ahead is whim and wish, so uh-huh. we, nobody knows what it counts as. So listener Brandy oh, right. sent this to us after we read her email to us last week, and she posted this out on the Godless Revolution Facebook page. Yes. After listening to the last episode wherein Ryan tried guessing the number that was used in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Number 13. That's horrible. I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was. How do I do British? Give me, give me a British real quick. I gotta hear it. We I don't have it. it. We, we. I don't know what the British sound like. A number of thirteen. The true meaning of oh god. Oh god. I want out of this. I will quit the show. Oh, no. that was horrible. And your mic is oh. really hot again. That was because I was laughing. All right. All right. Let's see. In the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the supercomputer Deep Thought is built by a race of hyper-intelligent alien beings to determine the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Deep Thought determines that the answer is somewhat, fuck that word, (laughs) anticlimactically, (laughs) anticlimactically, (laughs) 42. (laughs) It sounds like a joke, uh, but in there, more to, is there more to this answer? Douglas Adams was an unabashed computer nerd and knew a heck of a lot about programming language and coding. And programming, an asterisk, is commonly used to translate as whatever you want it to be. An ASC2? In ASCII. In ASCII? ASCII. 
Okay. ASCII. ASCII language. The most basic computer software, 42, is designated for an asterisk. As computer, Deep Thought, was asked the true meaning of life was, it answered as a computer would. 42. Anything you wanted to be. Genius. Ah. Oh. That's awesome. I never knew that. That's fucking cool. Thanks for sending that in. Did they do the same explaining in the movie as they do in the book? Because I don't think they did. What? I don't know. I don't think it was. Did they do the what? Like, that. like explain it like this in the movie? No, I don't. Cause I don't think they explain it like that. They just kind of well, seem no, like. That's, well, that's that's what it. Yeah, was, because it, it's saying. Well, it's an asterisk. It's forty-two. Life. It sounds like it. Sounds like a joke. But is there more to this answer? Yeah. So yeah, this is this is providing the. Is there more to this answer? Which, that's awesome. Thanks for sending that yeah. in, Brandy. Or posting that to the Facebook page. Because I, I, I give that out a lot, the 42 thing. When people ask me a question and I don't know what to say, I just say 42. And I always knew it was from there, but I keep saying different numbers all the time. Anything you want it to be. So, yeah. You're I a figured, genius, apparently. Um, yeah. I've been told that. <laughs> also, you nailed that accent. I said fuck it right off the bat. <laughs> it was done it was excellent. Done. If I would have been watching like Doctor Who all day today, I probably could have done it. Regular Jeremy Irons. Yes. <laughs> that guy's isn't a great he like, voice. He's, isn't he, is he Jeremy Irons? Oh, yeah, is he, he Scottish? Does have a nice voice. He uh, is I he? I don't think he's Irish. No, he has. A, he does have a castle in Ireland, but I is he not Brit? Is he not? I think he's a Brit. I think he's a Brit. Okay. I think. Well, we can goggle that someday. Yeah. <laughs> he sounded a little more Scotty to me for some reason, but as you can tell mm. from my accent ability, I'm horrible at accents. <laughs> so we we talked a little bit about what has happened in the news since uh, we, our last episode where we talked about the Trump administration yeah. and, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Steve Bannon and all of that kind of stuff, as we did in tonight's episode. One of the things that has also happened since that last episode was yesterday, Press Secretary Sean Spicer making one fuck up after another. It was like he he made a fuck up and then a series of fuck ups trying yeah. to correct the trying to correct the initial fuck up. Which I honestly think he's just going to say whatever the fuck he wants until like, someone tries to correct him. Then he's like going to do what he did yesterday, just keep fucking it up, and fucking do, yeah. up, and fucking it up. Yeah. But apparently, Sean Spicer's fuck-up and series of fuck-ups confused and were even too much for Alex Jones. The perpetually confused Alex Jones. (laughs) Alex Jones. (laughs) You can't tell him two things. Jones was apparently (laughs) informed of Sean Spicer's comment about... So, for those of you who don't know, Sean Spicer, during the uh, press briefing... Went Hitler. yeah, Yeah, he went full Godwin. And said something along the lines of, you know, he's he's referring to the Assad regime and their attack using chemical weapons, the sarin gas, and saying that, you know, even Hitler didn't go so far as to use chemical weapons on his own people. And of course, everybody immediately started scratching their heads going, are, are you are you being yeah. fucking serious right now? Like, do you not? Know that Hitler did, in fact, use chemical weapons well, on people. The press pool gave the collective what the fuck look. Yeah, they all they all kind of 
tilted their head like like a like a, uh, puppy like a dog. crowd of puppy dogs. Yeah, yeah. Where you make a funny sound and they all kind of tilt their head to one side and squint at you a little bit like, what the fuck? Yeah. So. Also, what did he hope to accomplish by that? Because like. You can't ever, there's, you just, I, that's off the table. You can't say somebody's so-and-so is worse than Hitler because it just doesn't go over. No. Well, I think he was trying to make the point that, of course, Trump had to step in and do something because Assad is so bad. He's, he's so the, bad. He's the worse worst than of Hitler. the worst. Like, he's worse than Hitler. Like, even Hitler yeah. didn't do this. No, I understand that. But yeah. that that particular reference is off the table. Yeah. Because once you say someone's worse than Hitler, everyone goes, nah. <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah. was, he was pretty fucking bad. Yeah. Until they kill six million people, uh, or more than six million people. But apparently Jones was informed of the comment by right-wing YouTube personality Paul Joseph Watson, who noted it's, Strange times when the White House press secretary makes such an absurd comment. What the hell is that from Sean Spicer? Jones demanded. Was he being sarcastic? No, he was comparing Hitler with Assad, and he said even Hitler didn't stoop to this level, Watson explained. What shows how historically ignorant his crew is, Jones (laughs) later replied. We've got some video on it. Out of where we are historically. Well, I mean, it's... Strange times, Alex. I mean, Sean Spicer just went out and said that Hitler never gassed anybody. Some very strange statements. What the hell is that from Sean Spicer? Yeah, it just happened half an hour ago. Pull it up. Was he being sarcastic? No, he said he was comparing Hitler with Assad, and he said even Hitler didn't stoop to this level. Hitler never gassed anybody. No, I think he meant like didn't drop gas on people. They didn't use chemical weapons in World War II. Yeah, but he didn't. Anyway, he's getting attacked over that strange <laughs> statement. But the uh, chilling thing for me, Alex, it shows is how this, historically <laughs> ignorant his crew is. <laughs> yeah, okay. I agree with Alex Jones about something. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is the strange fucking but, world we live in, my yeah. friends. But I don't <laughs> think it matters whether the the chemical was dropped from a plane or from a shower head. On the you know level of how bad it is. Yeah, I suppose you know. Yeah, method of dissemination really isn't all that important. In, yeah, for speaking morally, anyway. Sure. Yeah, sure. But I mean, to have the the White House press secretary say that, and then to try to clear up what he said, it was just one fuck up after another. After that, he he released, I think, three or four different uh, versions of trying to clarify what he mean what he meant to say on the White House website. Well, on the website, on on going on different news agencies to talk with them about it. Yeah. And then today was was talking about how terrible he felt at having let the president down. That's all he does. Because President Trump had a great two or three weeks of, you know, this rising tide of people agreeing with what he was doing for a change. Really? Yeah. Uh, it, that's what Sean Spicer was saying, uh, anyway. Because last I thought... And then, thought, of course, that's in response to the bombings in Syria. Yeah, and even that only had 12% approval, I thought. Yeah, I don't I don't know. But, yeah, just fucking nuts. Uh, we also have a GOP state senator. This was sent in to us from listener Alan Ferkinoff, who sends us so many stories. Like, thank you so much. I, I feel bad that we haven't been able to cover many of the links that Alan has been sending us, but... He sends us at least two or three a day, yeah, which is awesome. Like, I don't have to go searching for a whole lot of stuff to talk about on the show because he sends us these awesome links. He is our best agent. 
Uh, this one is, uh, it's, it's a GOP state senator who says that global warming is due to the earth moving closer to the sun and people emitting more body heat. <laughs> oh, is it? Is wait, it now? Wait, uh, but our, we only give off the same amount of, our bodies don't get hotter for the same temperature. What? If, it, if our bodies got warmer, we would, we would die. Mm-hmm. So we keep the same temperature. We're not giving off heat. Unless there's more heat being put on us. No, we always we always generate heat. We do generate heat. Yeah. But it's not like we're getting, like, oh, last year humans were producing 98 degrees. This year they're producing 100 degrees of heat per oh, person. Oh, there's just no, right? more of us all the time. Well, yeah. Yeah. Which... But I don't think we have that big of an impact of our body heat. So this guy's both an astrophysicist and a biologist. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, it says that over a dozen county commissioners from Pennsylvania's northern tier are working to organize around an issue that directly impacts their constituents. Natural uh, gas drilling. Yeah. So organizers, kill people so we can drill more gas. Uh-huh. Organizers said Harrisburg often neglects the interests of its more far-flung county. They described their keynote speaker as someone who's gone against that trend. York County Republican Senator and gubernatorial gubernatorial hopeful Scott Wagner has supported natural gas drilling since he was elected. Now, we keep trying to get, like, natural gas drilling and the coal mines back up, but why isn't anybody trying to help the whalers up in fucking Maine? Because they're killing whales, man. Well, but they've been out of a job since fucking 1920. Because they were killing whales. Well, so? Man, they've been waiting a long time then. I know. (laughs) And, yeah, why, why is it that nobody's helping them when they were killing whales? These people are killing humans. Yeah. And causing cancer in humans. Because there's way more money in this. Mm. It was just the first large industry I could think of that came to mind that right. has come and gone. But that's but that's like why. Oil and natural gas and coal will come and go. Yeah. Well, maybe. We might go first, but Wagner doesn't believe in the conventional science behind global warming. On the topic of climate <laughs> change, he said the following. I haven't been in a science class in a long time. Okay, perfect. You can stop <laughs> it right there because then anything you say after this is going to be complete fucking bullshit. But the earth moves closer to the sun every year. You know, the rotation of the earth. What? We're moving closer to the sun. What? No, well, we're on an elliptical orbit around the sun. What is he talking about? We're he, moving closer to the sun every year? He continued his nonsensical rambling by saying... We have more people, you know. Humans have warm bodies, so is heat coming off? Things are changing, but I think we are, as a society, doing the best we can. Does he think that that's why the Ice Age happened? Because we were so far from the sun at that point? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. What? Yeah, what? Well, but no, because he's saying that we're moving closer to the sun every year. Yeah, so back then they were far away from the sun, so everything was frozen all the time. Well, but we've had multiple Ice Ages, right? So... Oh, he doesn't know that. Oh, okay. The Earth is, tw- is I mean, that's 12,000 years ago. The Earth is <laughs> is six, right, or whatever. So there was only one. Well, if he even accepts the one, I mean, it, yeah. as far as the fables go, well, and I don't in know his mind. How much closer we're getting? Because when we're at our closest to the sun, we're 91, mile, 91 million miles away. Mm-hmm. When we're at our farthest from the sun, we're 94.5 million miles away. Mm-hmm. So that's a difference of, of uh, the 3.5 million miles. 
total. So over the whole orbit through the throughout our orbit around the sun. Mm-hmm. So I mean, for us to really be heating up a lot more, I mean, I gotta imagine we gotta be getting what a million miles closer a year. I don't that reminds, know. <laughs> that reminds me I of a joke I heard when I used to play the uh, baseball. Um, it was it was during a baseball game, and an umpire called a called a strike or or a out or whatever. And the opposing coach, you know, one of the coaches didn't like the call, so he runs out onto the field and he starts kicking dirt at the umpire, and he's like, "What the hell is wrong with you? Are you blind?" And the umpire stops him. He says, "Hey, wait! On a clear day, I can see the sun, and that's ninety-three million miles away." <laughs> Think I can make this call? <laughs> that is a good one. Oh, that's over. Oh, it's over. That's that was that was the whole joke. Sorry. <laughs> but he probably can't make the call because he's been looking at that sun ninety-one million miles away all day long. <laughs> I bet <laughs> these two, like, two I, bright spots wherever he looks. I can't. I bet that was a real funny one though. Way back whenever, when you grow up or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but nineteen forty-two. I think dinosaurs were still roaming the earth. <laughs> When, the, the, when they, the when they were just discovering stuff to make jokes about, like, oh, there's that sun <laughs> thing. Let's let's make a joke about that. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Come on. Hi, this is Justin Schieber, formerly of the Reasonable Doubts podcast and currently of Real A Theology, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! All right, Matthew. Who the fuck is that? Do people call you Matthew very often? Never, because I kick him in the ass. <laughs> they ever call you Dave? Sometimes. Dave, Dave? Matthews? <laughs> no, but my middle name is David. Oh. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Matthew David. Huh. Yep, both Hebrew. Well, isn't that a strange turn of events? No, it's always <laughs> been like that. But not we didn't know. Yeah. It's yeah. new knowledge so to us. So there. Well, what do you what what else have you yeah. brought for us this fine evening? In a move we've predicted all along about Riffra Bills that the sneaky attitudes of Christians and the sneaky attitudes of Christians behind them, House State Affairs Committee members heard testimony Wednesday afternoon on House Bill 3859, Mm. which would allow faith-based organizations to exercise their sincerely held religious beliefs when participating as providers in Texas child welfare systems. Oh. So you're saying like if a homosexual couple wants to adopt a child from a welfare group. They can't? We shall see. Okay. House State Affairs Committee members heard testimony Wednesday afternoon on the bill. Uh, Looks like this is just going to repeat everything again. Oh. (laughs) Because the headline is still in here. And I usually cut cut them out. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. Witnesses testifying against the bill said it could could give religious groups license to use their faith uh, as a reason to refuse to place foster children with gay couples or with families with certain religious beliefs. And I'll do you one better. It's not that it could give them that option. That's exactly what it's for. It's exactly what it's for, and we knew it from the very fucking beginning. They disguise it in this bullshit while we're trying to protect our sincerely held beliefs. Bullshit. You're trying to use it as a sword to... to Well... Strike people you don't agree with. They'll use the same tactics we used with Native Americans. We'll take Native American children and stick them with Christian families, so now they're Christian. So I imagine when they're saying people of different faiths, they might not want to adopt a child out to a Muslim family or an atheist family. Right, correct. But 
Christian families are okay. Yeah, I'm sure. Of course. So if a child from an atheist or a Muslim family gets taken away, like, no, we're going to stick you in a Christian yeah, family. You've right. got to go to fucking church every day. Mm -hmm. and Every day. Do whatever he says to do behind the curtain. <laughs> yep, that's what it is. That's just the Catholic Church. No, it isn't. Oh, oh no. It's becoming... Mormon, Mormons do that, too. Yeah. Well, there, I guess a lot of them. There was actually a few news stories that were out this week of the pedophile preachers. Oh, yeah? I can't remember where it came out of. Everywhere, <laughs> anywhere, well, any town USA, any true. town globally. But these were like, yeah. I guess they don't get all get televised. Any town globally of religious leaders taking advantage of their parishioners. Mm. True. And the trust that their parishioners instill in them because they view them as holy men of God. Mm. I don't. I wouldn't trust them at a poker table. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. No. No. What? I don't. Why? Why? Why do they get special treatment just because they believe in the same magical sky well, being that you believe in? It's just like the last thing when Matt was talking about the guy, the uh, the guy that went and killed his wife at the school. When they have to put in the news article, but he was a Christian pastor, so he was a good man. Hmm. Atheists of Utah received an interesting letter. Ooh. Can you guess from where this letter arrived well, in our P.O. box? Well, I'm just afraid. Um, I'm afraid that's not much to go on there, sir. No. Was not. it cookies? <laughs> no. It arrived from the prison in Gunnison, Utah. Oh. Hmm. We got a letter from an inmate in the prison in Gunnison, Utah, who was writing us for more information about 12-step uh, programs and sex addiction programs that do not have God at the heart of their teachings and recovery. That's actually a big thing to think about. Uh-huh. Because most of the prison programs are faith-based. <laughs> faith-based. Face-based? Yes, faith-based. <laughs> They're face-bathed. They, they all bathe their faces yes. in the Christ. <laughs> face-bathed. That's hilarious. It's like we're all free-basing in here. <laughs> no, it was interesting. Um, but the letter, the, it's, it's a handwritten letter. Yeah. And he said specifically in there that, it, that they do not have access to the internet. So we can't reply electronically. I have to. Okay. Have to snail mail him. Snail mail a reply back to him. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So there's that, which was a first. I thought that was indeed very interesting. What else do you have for us, Matthew? Or I'm sorry, Matt. You just got a David <laughs> Smalley sigh from me. <laughs> Oh, no. Matthew? Are you going to block me on Facebook now? <laughs> <laughs> After I call up and yell at you irrationally for a while. I'm not an armature no, at this. No, not an armature. <laughs> I debate for a living, therefore. <laughs> According to Yahoo Style, not a site I often visit. I didn't figure you did. Uh, thank you. <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> 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 it's that obvious. No, it, it is. It, it definitely is. Uh, this year, I don't fit in anything that looks nice. Uh, this year's prom was special for Amari Williams. In fact, she skipped her junior prom to make her final year all the more special. Williams, who attends Karenkro, 
I'm guessing, hopefully. Karenkrow? Karenkrow High School in Lafayette, Louisiana, worked hard to save up enough money to get a custom-made dress for the special night. Mm. However, despite receiving approval for the design ahead of time from Principal Mary Qualey, she was turned away at the door. What the fuck? Why do you got to get approval for your fucking prom, prom dress? Because she was making her own. So? According to Yahoo, <laughs> the principal said that William's dress was against the dress code. So she had she, to make it to fit the dress code. So she had shoulders showing. Mm, well, I'll tell you. As for the offense in question, it wasn't a plunging neckline or an attempt to free the nipple. There was no offensive language written across uh, or a sequin gown, etc. Nothing of that nature. Williams was turned away from her senior prom for an exposed ankle. Are you <gasps> fucking serious? Oh, no. In 2017. Although, to be fair, 2017 is roughly equal to 1617 in Louisiana. True. Um, quote, the length of the dress has to be all the way to the ground, all the way around. Kind of easy to remember. In this case, the dress was not at, not all the way to the ground, and on that basis, it wasn't considered a formal dress, said the Lafayette Parish School System Chief Administrative Officer Joe Craig. Hmm. In January, a letter was also reportedly sent to parents about the dress code. However, Amari uh, maintained that Principal Qualey approved the plans. After being called about the matter... Troy Netta rushed to the school to the school with scissors and pins in hand, ready to make any necessary alterations on site. Uh, I asked Principal Qualey what was going on. The dress was approved months ago, and she'd okayed it. She told me, I've seen a lot of pictures. We just kind of stood around, and my daughter was in tears, she said. The dress code, when I looked over it, it did mention that the dress had to be uh, floor length, and they considered it not formal since it wasn't the same length all the way around. Williams told Yahoo style. But then I, then I brought it to her attention that some of the rules in the dress code policy also state that midriffs, high splits, or low back dresses aren't allowed. As I'd been seeing, as I'd been standing there, I saw she'd been allowing all those types of dresses into the prom. But here she denies my daughter and she's dressed appropriately, not showing any skin or anything inappropriate at all. Her response to me was she used her own judgment. It may or may not be relevant to note, but in Louisiana, it usually is relevant that the student victim, Amari, is black. In what she's wearing, like we're looking at the photo right now, it's, I would consider it to be modest. I don't know that it would pass for modest in Utah. Not in Utah, just no. Just because you can see her shoulders, but other than that, yeah, it's it's, it's a, nice. Yeah, it's a nice dress that she made herself. I mean, and it looks like at least part of it is floor length. Yeah, but it's just the one. It's the one leg that hits her like mid calf. The the thing that bothers me about it is, I mean, because apparently the dress code does ha does say it has to be to the floor all the way around, which this does not meet. Yeah. But she says that the principal she had already said plans months before, and the principal okayed it. And also, there are other dress code violations that were yeah. allowed in. Hell, I don't think any so, would, anyone would have made it into any of our proms wearing. But the whole their point code. is a dress code that's that fucking strict is stupid. Yeah, yeah. And it's based on fucking religion. Yeah. Like, if you want to say, hey, like knee height, I'm like, okay, I can, I can see that. You don't want people in there in like really short, short mini skirts or whatever, but. I mean, most dresses that I see women wear don't go to the fucking floor. And who wants a dress that goes to the floor? I wouldn't even care if they wore fucking quarters on their nipples and tampons. That's it. I wouldn't. Who cares? Well, just wearing a tampon's kind of weird. 
<laughs> nice, all you're gonna nice see. response. There's a string. Yeah, yeah. That's that's all you're gonna see. Really, is a string. So, and that's all you're gonna be able to stare at. Cause like, there's a string. <laughs> that would be the first thing that you stare at. Well, be how would you not notice a string hanging out when they're walking up to you? Like, maybe she's got thick thighs, right? Maybe. Yeah, but then it's, then there's like like oh you got a piece of fabric on you and you pull on it's like oh <laughs> <laughs> oh that wasn't a piece of string well it was a piece was. of string but it was attached to something and I didn't know Ew. that ew <laughs> we need to just cut all of this whole part we. <laughs> I thought it was funny so we recently had general conference here in Utah oh yeah. The biannual Which, meeting for, of... For the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you mm-hmm. know, the Mormons. Yeah. During which, one of, the, one of the elders who got up to speak basically said that children should go hungry so that the church can have money. Mm-hmm. And there were a few things that got said that were similar to this, but yeah, I was like, what I'll, the fuck? I want to hear him say it. Yeah. yeah. In his own words. When I was young, I worked in my father's factory during vacation. The first question my father always asked after I received my salary was, what are you going to do with your money? Candy bars? I knew the answer and responded, pay my tithing and save for my mission. After working with him for about eight years and constantly answering his same question, my father figured he had taught me about paying my tithing. What he didn't realize was that I had learned this important principle in just one weekend. Let me tell you how I learned that principle. After some events related to a civil war in Central America, my father's business went bankrupt. He went from about 200 full-time employees to fewer than five sewing operators who worked as needed in the garage of our home. One day, during those difficult times, I heard my parents discussing whether they should pay tithing or buy food for the children. On Sunday, I followed my father to see what he was going to do. Is he going to feed us or is he going to give the church money? Yeah, because as a if, kid, I would also be interested in that. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. Because if my punk ass dad gave the money to the church, I'd beat his fucking ass for not buying <laughs> us fucking candy bars. You not, we're not even talking about candy bars. We're no, talking about fucking bread, food. Subsistence. Like, to keep you alive. Do you yeah. have enough money for fucking food? Or are you going to give that to yeah. the And this multi-billion dollar corporation preying on these war-torn, impoverished Central American nations. Yes. God. After our church meetings... I saw him take an envelope and put his tithing in it. That was only part of the lesson. The question that remained for me was what we were going to eat. <laughs> Early Monday morning. <laughs> We've never had to deal with that, so it's funny to us. That's <laughs> hilarious. You, you were starving. <laughs> you didn't eat. Early Monday morning. Some people knocked on our door. When open it, when I opened it, they asked for my father. I called for him, and when he arrived, the visitors told him about, about an urgent sewing order 
they needed as quickly as possible. They told him that the order was so urgent that they would pay for it in advance. That day, I learned the principles of paying tithing and the blessings that follow. No, what you learn is that your father owns a shop and people give him money to do work. The only way that that could, that could even, even start to count as evidence for tithing is if you could redo those two days, not pay your tithing, and, and see if those people show up or not. Every fucking it's, time. Every time. It would have to happen every, every time yeah. you do that. No, I'm saying actually go back in time and redo the Sunday and Monday, not give your tithing on that Sunday and see if those people still appear on Monday. Oh, I got you. If they do, then it would have happened either way, as is the actual case in reality. Guaranteed. Yeah. But right now it's a case of confirmation bias. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh. this motherfucker is telling everybody watching General Conference the millions of Mormon adherents who are faithfully watching this all over the world that rather than feed your children, you should pay your fucking tithing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Christ gets his money first, bitches. No, Give your money to our billion Monson. fucking dollar corporation. That's disgusting. It is. It is. And I mean, there's got to be so many people who have gone through the same thing and not had a person come to their shop the next day because they didn't own a shop. That also came to us from listener Alan Firkenhoff. Yeah. <laughs> Firkenhoff, right? <laughs> I don't know. How do you pronounce it, Ryan? Oh, uh, what, how does Ryan dispronounce Alan. it? <laughs> Alan. Listener Alan, yes. Alan. 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 Oh, that's not Alan. That's Steve. <laughs> Steve! <laughs> Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. The world's religious landscape is undergoing a major restructuring as the population becomes increasingly religious and Muslim. According to recent studies, the percentage of people who identify as non-religious is expected to fall from 16% in 2015 to around 13% in 2060, a Pew Research Center reports. Seems like a long way, like 2060? Yes. Seems a long way off. Does. Uh, These religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S, which include atheists, agnostics, and those who do not identify with any particular religion, tend to be older and have fewer children than those who are religious. As a result, their death rates will begin to exceed their birth rates, the study explains. The number of babies born to Muslim parents will far outpace those born to Christians. Uh, though, man, how many fucking babies are Muslims Jeez, having? Yeah, no kidding, man. Get humping Christians. God. God. Mormons and Catholics have like eight each. <laughs> well, that, that that's almost like that that blog that mommy blog from that mormon woman that put out saying that christians need to start fucking more because they need to have more kids because the muslims are going to take over mm. are the muslims counting their goats are they getting confused those are, those by are, kids those are just wives oh why oh okay uh, horny wives Always. um they never say no oh <laughs> jeez <laughs> Bad, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) I was was trying to find a way to work that in there. (laughs) Though the Christian population will still be slightly larger than the Muslim population, the Muslim population will see many more births. Among religious people, the number of babies born to Muslims is expected to surpass those born to Christians between 2030 and 2035. 
The trend is driven by high death rates for Christian populations in some regions, combined with extremely high fertility rates among Muslims. In the U.S. alone, the Christian population decreased by nearly 8% between 2007 and 2014. Over that same time period, the Muslim population showed a slight increase. But unlike the global projections the U.S. has seen and will continue to see, uh, never mind. I don't know how this fucking sentence works. Anyway. (laughs) Um, They're words and you read them. Oh, oh, okay. Let me get back to that. A larger portion of the nation's population describes themselves as religiously unaffiliated, jumping up 7% from 2007 to 2014. And unlike other countries, religiously unaffiliated people in the U.S. tend to be younger than those who belong to a religious group. Since the majority of religious nuns live in Asia, the growing lack of religion in the U.S. doesn't carry enough weight to to sway the global trend. Many of the nation's religious nuns live in New England. Only one in three Massachusetts and New Hampshire residents put themselves in the highly religious category, and about one in three say they are religiously affiliated. Uh, Less than one in six Massachusetts residents say they are Christian, but the state has a larger portion of non-Christian faiths, including uh, 3% Jewish and 1% Muslim population. Alabama and Mississippi, on the other hand, hold the most religious populations. More than three in four people in both states say they are highly religious, according to Pew. Gross. I'm sorry for all of our non-religious listeners who live in those states. Yep. And in Mississippi, 83% of adults are Christian, most identifying as evangelical Protestant and less than 1% as Muslim. Well, the the good thing is, is with global warming happening, uh, with the seas rising, those states won't you mean exist with anymore. with the earth getting closer to the sun? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh-huh. They'll mostly be underwater here soon. Soon in a global time scale. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us this evening. What, you, know, mm-hmm. you know what else needs to get wrapped up? What? Christians' dicks so they don't have as many kids. Or, well, I Muslim mean, it, it depends on if they want to outpace the Muslims. True. Apparently. But before we go, I want to thank our two newest Patreon subscribers. What? Jefferson and Jeremy Goodson. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Are they brothers? No. Oh, then why did one get a last name and the other one didn't? Because because one of them didn't have a last name on their thing. Okay. Yeah. And so I don't know if they want their last name announced. But I also want to thank our other Patreon subscribers. Christy Kalbach, Andrew Vodopich, Wesley Aaron, Utah Outcasts, Andy Faulkner, Angelica Pearson, Taylor Grin, Grant Larimer, and Savit Acuna. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you very much. We really, really, really appreciate you supporting the show. It really does help keep us going. It is very helpful yeah. on those days when you feel like, man, I don't really. Does anybody even really care that we're doing this thing? <laughs> I, I do. And then I look and see that we've got two new yeah. subscribers, and I'm like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. We also got a guest coming on next week, don't we? We do. We will have author Karen Garst on the show with us to talk about women in the secularist movement her, in her book. Which sounds very interesting. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Uh, the week after that, we will have Mithrin back on the show with us. Who has awesome stories. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I missed him last time, so that'll be good. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, it's awesome. He's he's like a font of weird Mormon shit. Like a yeah. baptismal font? Uh-huh. <laughs> Bigger. Like like the one at the temple downtown with the with that's on the back of the bison or whatever. Uh, oxen. Oxen. Yeah. yeah. More uh, than that. 
I don't, I've never walked in there, so I don't know what you're talking about. Have you never seen Space Jesus in person? No. Oh. I've, I've never had the want to walk in there. We should go uh. and do a walking tour of the Salt Lake Temple, and you can see Space Jesus. You, you, know, you know what's funny? Huh. We could just take recorders and, and mic ourselves up to them. Uh-huh. <laughs> And yeah. hide it. That yeah. would be actually kind of fun. Can yeah. you can you bring that kind of stuff in there? Well, I, I I got a way we might be able to hide. Uh, at least two mics. Well, what are they going to do? So you can't record yourself talking in here. Probably. You think <laughs> they would recognize us from the from our podcast? That we're probably <laughs> on, we're probably on their list. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I think your beard would make you – they probably would be like, oh, he's probably not a member. Y'all better I, recognize. I would probably have to wear long sleeves so they wouldn't see my tattoos. Cause they nah, don't, that's true. They don't like that shit. They'll spot you a mile away. Yeah. A mile away. Mm. Christ. <laughs> that's a half a mile. I just remembered mm-hmm. that Dr. This... Dan Morris sent me an audio clip he of did. him doing uh, Pastor David Manning. Yeah. Oh, they did it in the episode too. Oh, this well, is. Well, oh. They, they didn't play it in the episode, though. Yeah, yeah. I heard it in the episode. No, this. Oh, is... not this one. Oh, okay. I was just talking about they did do a man a Manning. Hello, you long-legged devil sent straight out of hell. This is Pastor Manning, and I have a message for all your listeners. Stop listening to these white trash. I hate them, and Jesus hates them too. Instead. Listen to the two skeptical chaps. They're demonic, but I like them anyway. (laughs) So these white trash. Apparently, Yoda really hates the show. Yeah, (laughs) very much. And he's talking sort of normally now. I remember when we got that. I was like, "That's pretty funny." Then I forgot about it. Then when he mentioned it during their show, I'm like, "Oh yeah, we should throw that in somewhere." (laughs) Then when they, then when uh, they did the. They they tried doing the voice on their show. I thought, oh yeah, that's right. He sent yeah. us that clip of Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> it's not terrible. It's no. It's it's better. For, it's for better Yoda. than it's better than mine. Is it? I think so. Have you done? Have you tried to do a Pastor Manning? Yeah, and it was Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> pudding. <laughs> a pudding pop. Oh yeah, you did say something about mm-hmm. pudding pop. I think when you no, did. I don't. I don't do that hack shit. I'm talking about pudding pops. With it. <laughs> it was something about taking pills and. <laughs> oh wait, what what was it? Uh, what was it? I said, uh, fuck. Probably that was part of it. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it was. Uh... Oh yeah, I have a particular set of pills. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. So thank you all very much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed the show. I hope that you are as terrified of Steve Bannon as I am. Oh, God, yeah. And once again, I want to thank Alexander Scholl for the work you put into yes. giving us that information, honestly. It it was weird to me because in talking to him, he's like, hey, man, thanks for, for doing this. This is really great, you know, getting this out there. I'm <laughs> like, like you, did, you did all the work. Yeah, I don't don't thank me. Like, this is fucking awesome. We yeah. could barely even read it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like you put so much work into this and have given, like you've given us this present of here are two shows for you to do. I just hope we've done it justice. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Let's not blow him too hard. Jesus. No, I, <laughs> I couldn't blow him hard enough. 
All right. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all of that. I'll be I the really non-groveler of the group then, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's that's your style, Matthew. Yeah. You're, hey! You're, <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> you're a, a misanthrope anyway, so... I, I do like Alex, though. Yeah. I like him a lot. Yeah. He's a good dude. For the ways that I will never
The first is national security and sovereignty, through which Bannon prioritizes Isn't that the sovereignty. 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 Yeah, I said you sovereignty. Say sovereignty. Like sovereignty. Sovereignty. <laughs> Sovereign- God damn it. Sovereignty. <laughs> the first is national security and sovereignty, through which Bannon prioritizes intelligence. The- <laughs> Fuck it. Man. Do, do you want me to try to read the rest for you? Well, no, it's I just I kept thinking sovereignty. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try this again. Oh, you're going to have fun editing on this one. The first is national security and sovereign. <laughs> no, no, I, I can't just stop thinking about that word in my head. Sovereignty, 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 sovereignty. sovereignty. Okay. <laughs> sovereignty now! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Contemplative. <laughs> okay. Okay, hang on a sec. The first is national security and sovereignty. <laughs> <laughs> we need to send these all to uh, Alexander. Sovereignty. Yes. Sovereignty. It's because of security and then sovereignty. So, okay. He eagerly. He <laughs> eagerly. Eaglery. You must have the computer. Are you ready? I'm so ready, Ryan. 